listening to Home Talk with Greg McKim, the show that covers everything from A to Z about home ownership. Hi, I'm your host, Greg McKim. On this show, we'll talk about everything related to owning a home, buying, selling, maintaining, financing, and insurance, remodeling, rental properties, and flipping, single-family homes, condos, townhomes, and multi-unit. If it's related to a home, we talk about it. I've worked in real estate industry since the late 1970s. Yep, I'm that old. My experience includes everything from swinging a hammer to owning a mortgage company. I'm a licensed real estate broker and loan originator with Loanzilla Mortgage. Excuse me, but I have to, by law, tell you my NMLS number, which is 106202. I've been a Home Association board member for about 20 of the last 30 years, and I was once a licensed insurance agent and registered investment advisor. Of course, I don't claim to know everything about homes, but I know a lot, and I'm here to share it with you. I also hope and expect to learn about more about homes from my listeners and look forward to your calls later in the show. This is my first time on radio, so today might be a little bumpy. To help me, my guest will be radio expert Eric Crema, who with 20 years, or actually 26 years of radio experience, will help to keep me on track. Welcome, Eric. I don't know how much expert. Uh, I will tell you I know just a little bit about real estate, uh, so I'm really happy that I'm able to be on the show with you today and we can talk about not only your show and your vision for it, but I have some questions. So there you go. Well, I might have misspoke. I meant to say 26 years of radio experience, not real estate. (laughs) (laughs) There's the jitters for you. (laughs) Not a problem. You know what? You're doing great. And I I am really happy to have Home Talk here on on AM 1150. Uh, We are Alternative Talk. We have lots of different topics on this station. But this is an area um, that I would like to hear even more about. And I'm really happy to hear from you that this show is going to be more than just talking about mortgages. It sounds like to me you're going to run the whole gamut of, of home ownership, buying, selling, the whole thing. Yeah, well, those areas, of course, I can't be an expert in every one of them. And mm-hmm. so I will be bringing in guests, people that I've encountered and relied upon over my 30 years of, of, of experience, everything from roofers to insurance brokers, people that specialize in buying foreclosures, homes. And I do know a lot of people in the industry who I've come to trust and rely upon over those years. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, the, as you look across the United States, this is one of the hottest real estate markets right here in Seattle. Um, it's a bit of a bellwether, I think, for the economy. People look to it to see, you know, what's going on out here. Maybe you can familiarize us with, uh, since we're now on day one of 2019, kind of looking back at 2018, give us some thoughts and uh, what you might see, you know, get out that, that magical crystal ball if you happen to have it with you and uh, <laughs> take a look at the new year. Well, you know, um, that is one of the things I want to talk about in today's show. But I'm going to just quickly bullet point the main the main topics for today. Sure. One of the things we're going to discuss is why I put the show together, what my goals are, and how I hope it will benefit the listeners. Then I will talk a little bit about what I think is going to happen in the real estate market in 19 and a little further on. And today I'm going to focus quite a bit of time and energy on busting what I call mortgage myths. Now, I know that this topic is not going to be the most sexy or exciting to listen to. 
but I do bring a different perspective to it, and I hope that some of the listeners out there will benefit and will um, and, and call in and ask some questions that they have them. So let's jump right into, um, if, if it's okay with you, Eric, we'll push off the, idea, the, the projections for real estate, and I'd like to talk about why I'm putting the show together and what, I hope to, what do I hope to achieve. Is that okay? It's your show. I'll, I'll take your lead. Okay. Um, let me just... I've got, I've got four primary reasons why I put this show together. Number one, I enjoy teaching. During my 30 years in the home industry, I've learned a lot, and I like teaching what I've learned to others. Currently, I'm limited to only educating those few people I'm working with at a time, and this show will help me reach more people. Second reason is I like learning, and as I mentioned earlier, I expect to learn much from my listeners. Third reason is self-promotion. Being financially successful in real estate and mortgage business requires marketing. I've never really liked to market. I'd rather teach. For most of my career, business has come from word of mouth. I've done very little marketing, but I'm hoping my educational show will help market my services without me needing to add other methods. A little note about self-promotion. My number one goal for the show is to educate consumers. If I do a good job with this, I expect some people will listen who listen will use my services. However, if a listener calls in or emails me with a question or topic of discussion, I will not try to convince them to work with me. I want to serve my listeners, not sell them. Fourth and not least is I have a quest, a passion. Although I've not had this verified through DNA testing, I think I have a little of Don Quixote blood in me. Uh, however, the windmill I've been tilting against for decades isn't an imaginary giant. It's a real giant, the mortgage industry. Since starting my mortgage career in 91, I've been appalled by the industry's lack of ethics, deceptive practices, ineffective regulations, and consumer abuse. I'm not claiming there aren't ethical people in the mortgage business. There are many. There are also many government regulators who work diligently to protect consumers. The problem is the lending industry profits from poorly informed consumers and poorly designed regulations and effectively resist changes to these practices. Furthermore, when laws are written for the purpose of protecting consumers, big bank lobbyists water them down, making them nearly worthless at best and in some cases more harmful than having no regulations. So, that is a primary passion of mine. It has been for years, and you'll hear it throughout this show today and on, on and ongoing episodes. So those are my, th- my four main goals. Teach, learn, promote myself, and continue my passion, which is to try to help clean up the mortgage industry. Any questions about that or comments, Eric? Well, just from the... The bit that I know from you since we uh, first came acquainted as you came to the station says, you know, I, this is something I want to do. I want to put together a radio show. It seems to me these are also things that you utilize in your own career. Yep. So it's, it seems like to me you're always learning. Uh, you, you do do teaching. Um, so it's just sort of a natural transition, I would think, to, to the radio. It is, yeah. Okay, great. Now, I don't want to bore the heck out of people. But I do want to give a little bit of a background, my story about how I ended up here. This will probably take about five minutes. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I keep asking you for your permission because I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing just fine. So I don't want to sound sound like I'm completely, you know, inept, but I do want to get some, you know, make sure I'm I'm not going down a a stupid path. 
<laughs> so here's my story. I don't want to bore people with the whole history, but I think it's important to understand how I got here, my mentality about how I approach educating people, why I'm doing it. The mortgage company I first started working with in 91 encouraged loan officers, including me, to make additional money by purposely misleading consumers. I wasn't comfortable with this. So in April of 92, I moved to another company who I thought was more professional. The second company did have nicer offices and was better managed, but they too misled consumers to make extra money. The company owner and loan officers literally bragged about it. Mm. Within a few more months, I realized the entire industry, including banks and credit unions, was making billions by purposely misleading consumers. To make matters worse, none of the government regulations prevented this. Surprisingly, none of the misleading practices lenders were doing were even illegal. There have been improvements since then, but not enough. This angered me. I dreamed in 92 about starting a movement to, re to reveal and stop this monumental ripoff, but soon realized it was beyond my ability. Instead, I decided to build my business and reputation by being ethical, transparent, and educating consumers. I did this by creating a four-hour seminar called How to Shop for a Home Loan. The second company didn't want me teaching people how to shop for a home loan, so I found another firm in 93 who supported my idea. After moving there, I sent out 100,000 mailers to promote my seminar. By the way, that is one of the few marketing methods I've ever embarked on. Before long, I had presented my seminar to hundreds of people, many who are still my clients today. Although I appreciated the third company approving my seminar, sadly, they allowed other loan officers to conduct misleading tactics I was teaching consumers to be aware of. But I understood why. It's because this was industry practice. And if they prohibited their loan officers from using these deceptive sales tactics, those loan officers would have left to work for other lenders. Because I wanted to spread my message to a larger audience, I left the third company in 2000 to start my own mortgage company, which I opened in 2001. I didn't allow any of my loan officers to use dishonest practices. My company flourished until the mortgage meltdown in 2008. By 2010, I was out of business. This was a very difficult time for me. As the mortgage industry went through upheaval, I looked for other business avenues and in 2009 obtained my real estate license. Fortunately, I've not found the real estate industry to be as blatantly corrupt as mortgage banking, but once again, have found that poorly informed consumers routinely fall prey to unethical real estate practices or simply make bad decisions because they're either ill-informed or misinformed. You might recall at the beginning of the show, I said I have four reasons why I'm doing this. And one, my passion is to help consumers. How can I benefit consumers with my knowledge my expertise, and my skill set. One of the ways is to have a radio show so I can reach more people. The other is to what I hope to do is to create a forum in a way where people feel comfortable calling in here and sharing what they know to other listeners because there are thousands, if not millions of consumers out there that have a lot of experience that I can't possibly be aware of. Of course, there has to be some practical application of this, some nuts and bolts, if you will. So, to educate my listeners, I'm going to do some, what I call, myth-busting of common in real estate and mortgage myths that mislead consumers into bad decisions. I will provide step-by-step -step instructions for shopping for home lenders and real estate brokers and negotiating their fees. 
I'll teach people how to negotiate a home price as a buyer or a seller and much, much more. The problem, of course, a lot of this will be difficult to convey by radio. So over the next few months, I'll be posting webinars, videos, and other written materials free of charge for people to access on my mortgage website at LoanZilla.com. That's L-O-A-N-Z-I-L-L.com. I love that name, by the way, and I love your logo for it. I was checking out your website uh, a couple days ago, and uh, it's very clean, easy to navigate. Um, and I'm excited for the fact that you're going to keep updating it with this kind of information because when you when you do anything mortgage-wise, at least from the consumer side, it is dizzying how much paperwork, how much information there is. So it's extremely helpful for me yeah, to have things you know put in layman's terms, so to speak. Yeah, it is difficult, and it's going to be difficult to convey a lot of this by radio, which is why I want to put those tools on the website. The website is something that we're in the midst of, of, of updating, so be, stay tuned as I do continue to, to up, upgrade it and add some of these things. Um, do you have any questions about what I just just covered, Eric? Anything specific that jumped out at you you, want to, you wanted to comment on? No, but I'll tell you, um, not question-wise, I'm sure it'll, it'll happen as the show evolves over, over the many weeks ahead, um, it is a great format when you have an entire hour to talk subject after subject, you know, around something is is vast as the real estate industry. So I, I think I think it's going to be wonderful compared to say just a thirty second commercial. It's hard. I like to do business with people I think I know or I think I like. You know, obviously, it's very hard in a thirty second commercial, a sixty second commercial, to get a, a firm grasp of a company's sort of values or who they are as a person. And that's what I'm really looking forward to with you being on the air, is people are going to get to know you. And, the, and I think they're going to envision you as a friend, a confidant, maybe even a relative, someone that they could pick up the phone and get a straight answer to. Well, a that question. is exactly what, I'm, what I hope to achieve. Um, many of my cl- well, this isn't many. Every customer, every client I've ever met with in my life, my number one goal when I meet with them is to make sure I help them make good decisions, regardless if they work with me or not. I have found by doing that, first of all, I feel good about who I am and what I'm doing. Second is it, it works. Some of my best referral sources come from people who I referred to another lender because I knew they had a better product than I did. And since I knew that, I couldn't, I, I couldn't live with myself if I knew that that the person would benefit going someplace else. I just didn't think it was right. There's enough business out there for everybody. And if I have the right service at the right price for somebody, I'm going to get my fair share of business. So why not treat people the way I'd like to be treated? Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I wholeheartedly uh, agree with you there. Now, I know we've got about, what, three, four minutes until our first break. Can you hit some of those myths? Can you do some myth busting? Well, no, let's do this. Let's talk about what's coming up in the next segment. In the next segment, we're going to talk briefly about what I think is going to happen in 2019, the crystal ball, okay? And then we're going to go through a a list of some of the myths that I'm not going to talk about today, but I will have on later shows. And we are going to talk in the second segment about the first myth, which is the myth of no-cost loans. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be covering that next break. And just an aside, by the way, next week... On January 8th, I'm going to be, my guest is going to be a person who is an expert in buying foreclosed homes as either rentals or flips. So that's going to be a really exciting show. 
you know, uh, people need to be aware, since this is your first show, that you're going to be on weekly now, Tuesdays, 3 to 4 p.m. It's yeah. Home Talk with Greg McKim, and um, it's a great opportunity. Uh, I, I always like to welcome our listeners to go out there and um, and ask, actually ask them, tell your friends, tell your friends, anyone that you know that's looking, in this case, to buy or sell a home or just has some general questions. Great idea would be someone maybe looking at their first home and just has no experience with the process. They need to be listening to this show. Um, if someone's in the middle of it and they're wondering, is now the best time to sell a house or, or should I wait a while? I mean, these are typical questions that most people have with their homes. If you own a home, aspire to own a home, you should be listening to this show. Well, thank you very much, Eric. And with that, I think we're ready to go to the break. Again, you're listening to Home Talk with Greg McKim, the show that covers home ownership from soup to nuts. Thank you. We'll be right back after these messages. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking. Now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Through the generous support of individuals like you, Trees for the Future has planted over 155 million trees and changed thousands of lives in the last 29 years. With your help, Trees for the Future continues to train thousands of impoverished farming families across Africa to plant their way out of poverty using an agroforestry method called the forest garden. Forest gardens consist of nearly 4,000 fast-growing fruit, nut, and timber trees that thrive alongside climate-appropriate crops surrounded by a living green fence. These forest gardens eliminate hunger in two years, increase household income over 400% in four years, and have changed landscapes from dry lands for monocropping to rich soils supporting over 20 varieties of crops and marketable products. Learn more about how you can be part of these efforts by visiting trees.org radio. That's trees.org radio. If you love them enough to listen to them practice the same song on tuba. Please be done. Over and over and over and over and over. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. Sounds good, honey. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk, 1150. Hi, welcome back to Home Talk with Greg McKim, the show that covers homeownership from A to Z. We air each Tuesday from 3 to 4 p.m. right here on 1150 a.m. KKNW. During the show, you can call in at 425 425- Three seven three five five two seven. Again, four two five three seven three five five two seven. Or if you want to reach me directly off air, my cell is two zero six two five zero six five four five. Or email me at gmckim. That's G M C K 
K-I-M, at LoanZilla.com, L-O-A-N-Z-I-L-L-A.com. Welcome back. The next segment of the show, I'm going to cover two things. My projections for the nineteen or the 2019 real estate market and mortgage myth number one, no-cost loans. So let's jump into the real estate market projection. I have no idea. <laughs> Actually, I have some ideas. But one of the things I try to steer away from, because I get asked that question a lot, is being trying to be some sort of oracle. The challenge with all predictions is there are so many variables. You can hear 13, 14,000 different opinions about what's going to happen. So let's just use common sense. Common sense. If you're buying real estate, you have to understand what your primary motivating reason is. If your primary reason for owning real estate is to live someplace that gives you the lifestyle you want, the schools you want, um, the location you want, then you need to think about how long do I want to live there? The longer you live in a home, the less you have to be concerned about the fluctuations, the appreciation, the ups and downs of the real estate market. So as a general rule of thumb, when anybody asks me this question, the first thing I say, if you buy a property and you own it for 10 years or more, who cares? Because long-term, it'll all level out. And since it's a leveraged asset, a little bit of appreciation goes a long way. If you plan to live in a property or own a property for 5 to 10 years, you're taking a little bit more risk because the costs of getting in and out of real estate are fairly high. And because it's a non-liquid investment, if the market tanks, it's hard to move it. Anything from zero to five years, in my opinion, is just pure speculation, and you're taking a lot of risk. Now, some people do that. They, do, they, they, they profit handsomely buying and selling homes. But they also, some of them go bankrupt. I've known people that owned dozens and dozens of real estate properties in the 2008 meltdown, lost everything. So... What do I think is really going to happen in 2019? I think we're going to see a little bit of a leveling out. I don't think we'll continue to see the type of drop we did in the last six months, which is anywhere from 10 to 15%. Well, what will really tell us and will be the best indicator is what happens in February and March. That's what we call the selling season. And the selling season is really a barometer of everything that's going to happen for the rest of the year. If we see continued downward pressure, and see continued increases in inventory, we're probably in for a, more of a drop in the 10 15% range again in 2019. The good news is we still have strong overall economic indicators. There is some, some clouds on the horizon. Talk about a potential slowdown. There are some indicators of slowing down the economy right now. If you've read about it, China's had some decreases in manufacturing. We've had a manufacturing, a little bit of a um, decrease in manufacturing in the, in the fourth quarter across the board, but solid economic indicators right now, which is good for real estate. So that about wraps it up. If a caller wants to come uh, to call in and, and, and give me their opinion or ask me a specific question about that, feel free to do it. So next I want to talk about some mortgage myths. I have a list of them here. It's not extensive, by the way. There are plenty more. But I'm going to just go through those that quick list right now, and then we're going to hit on one or two of them if, as time permits. So here are some of the mortgage myths. Number one, no-cost loans. I'm here to tell you today there's no such thing. Also, mortgage, list num- uh, mortgage myth number two, 
using the annual percentage rate to shop for loans. Don't do it. Mortgage number three, where do interest rates come from? Most people have no clue. Most people have no clue what causes mortgage rates to go up or down or what the trends are. Mortgage myth number four, that bank and mortgage banks and mortgage brokers play by the same rules. They don't. And those rules are rigged by the banks and they're not good for consumers. Mortgage myth number five, we need more lending regulations to protect consumers. We don't. Myth number, uh, myth number, well, let's take a look. Wait a second. I'm stumbling a little bit here. I started to get into some of my real estate myths right now, which I'm going to stop because we're going to talk about mortgage uh, myths today. So the first one we're going to talk about is no cost loans. I'm sure that if you've ever shopped for a home loan, you've seen people advertise no fee or no cost loans. I'm here to tell you they don't exist, and I'm about to prove it to you. Please note, this is a complex topic. I'm going to try to simplify. So let's get started. All lenders and mortgage brokers need to earn a fee when they close a loan. I repeat, all lenders and mortgage brokers, they use this fee to pay their loan officers and other overhead and to make a profit. Wait a second, you might ask. Don't lenders make their money from the interest they charge? The answer is some do but about 90% don't. And even those who do earn interest need the upfront fee. For our purposes, we'll discuss only those 90% of lenders who don't make money from interest because those are the lenders most people get loans from. The loan interest is paid to bond investors, not lenders. By the way, this is going to get a little bit wonky. I will give you some information, then I'll wrap it up and try to show you how it's going to benefit you. So, again, the loan interest is paid to bond investors, not the lenders. These investors purchase the bonds from entities like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac who use the bond funds as the source of money for home loans. Instead of making money from interest, lenders earn a fee by selling loans to you on behalf of the bondholders. The fee is always paid by the borrower in some fashion. Here's why. Lenders offer a range of rates for any given type of mortgage. The rate is based on something called a bond yield, which are set by bond investors. Mortgage interest rates never change. Again, mortgage interest rates never change. We'll discuss this in more detail on another show when I bust the mortgage myth about interest rates. What does change is the perceived value of any given rate by the bond investor. This perceived value is measured by the price of a given rate. To help you understand this, let's cut out the middleman. Let's get rid of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, get rid of lender, and let's pretend I'm the bondholder and you're the borrower. As the bond investor, I have $100,000 to invest. I could buy stocks or gold with my 100 k but I've decided to invest it by lending you my $100,000 to buy a home. I'm going to offer you three rates to choose from. 4.75, 4.5, and 4 and a quarter. If you pick 4 and a half, I'm not going to charge you a fee. Why? Because I've made enough money in my mind over the 30 years based on my Estimates of where else I can invest my money. That's a solid investment for me. 
However, if you pick my other rate, four and a quarter, I don't make as much money. So I'm going to ask you for some money up front. That's what are called points. Let's say in this case it's 1%. So if you had a $100,000 loan and I ask you for 1%, you give me $1,000. Now you enjoy a lower payment over 30 years, and at some point you'll save money because after you recoup the $1,000, you're ahead. What about the other rate? What about 4.75? Why would you pay me a higher rate than the other two I offer? Because in that case, I'm making more money and you're spending more money. What I'll do is I'll give you an incentive. I'll give you money to, give, to, to pay me a higher rate. I'll give you a 1% credit. So instead of charging you nothing or charging you $1,000, I'll give you $1,000 for you to pay me a higher rate. Are you listening, Eric? I am, you know, and, and I'm, I'm actually writing down some notes here because this has probably been the clearest this situation has ever been explained to me uh, in all the homes I've bought. Without uh, visual aids, man, I was really struggling with how I was going to do this. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, I was kind of taking notes and listening. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are doing that, too, because I, just like we talked uh, prior to you coming on the air uh, a couple of weeks back, we were talking about how this is going to be one of those meaty subjects that people are going to really have to listen closely to. Yeah. But you took an extremely, uh, really kind of a confusing subject matter right there, and even with the notes that I was taking, I'm like, wow. I started to smile, like, this actually makes sense. Finally. Well, I, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised and pleased because I was really nervous that the people listening would not have a clue what I just said because it's a lot of information, and mm-hmm. I, talk a lot, I talk a little bit fast. I try to slow it down here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this idea, there's three rates to choose from, one of them costs nothing. One of them costs $1,000. One of them I give you $1,000. Okay, every time that a lender offers you a rate, they have this option, although it's a lot broader range. For instance, I printed out a rate sheet today from one of the wholesale lenders we deal with. By the way, I have to inject. I am not promoting or advertising rates today. We're strictly talking educational. Okay? Yep. So I'm looking at a rate sheet which is a list of rates offered by a lender. And on a 30-year mortgage, they offer a range of rates from 5.5 to 3.75. Each one of those rates has an associated price. For instance, if you picked a rate of 5.5, the lender would give us a credit of 6.375. That would be $6,375 on a $100,000 loan. That's a lot of money, right? Absolutely. If you pick the lowest rate, which is 3.75, they would charge us half percent, which would be 500 bucks. By the way, that's the wholesale price. You can't get it for that. We, as a mortgage broker, get it for that. Then we mark up our price, which is the fee we charge. Okay, what's the point of all this? Back to the whole idea of a no-cost loan. Anytime somebody tells you they're giving you a no-cost loan, how are they making a living? Where's the fee for them? What about the third-party companies? Do you think appraisers all work for free? you think they all have trust funds? They just do appraisals because it's fun? <laughs> you think title companies do titles just because they are, you know, they're, all, they're the Mother Teresa of title work? It's just silliness. Every single party involved in a transaction, the bank, the mortgage broker, everybody earns a living. So there can't be a way to do an no-cost loan. So what do you do? They take a higher rate take the credit we discussed and use that money to pay all the fees. Right. It's simple. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just it's not fair to say it's no cost because there is a cost. 
The cost is the higher interest rate. That does not get clearly explained by people who promote these loans. Personally, I don't think it should be legal to call a no-cost loan. I think it should be called a deferred cost loan. Right. Because that's what it is. Right. And there's nothing wrong with deferring the cost. In fact, sometimes it makes more sense. I have all kinds of explanations for that. We can get into more detail someday about why you'd want to pick a higher rate versus a lower rate at what times in the, in the interest rate cycles. There, and there's all kinds of reasons to take a higher versus lower rate. But we're not going to do that today. Okay? This is a very powerful thing to understand, though. All right. So that blows the myth about no-cost loans. They don't exist. Anybody want to challenge me on that idea? I'll go to the mat on it. There is no such thing. Oh, maybe somebody out there one day decides they don't want to charge anything. They want to work for free. That doesn't count, right? <laughs> so that's the first myth. And how's how are we doing on time here? Are we getting up to our next break? Um, yeah, it looks to me we're probably about four or five minutes away. Uh not only now, I've I've personally owned through this the course of my life uh, four different homes, hmm. and so through that, just through osmosis, I would say I've learned some stuff uh, about mortgages and just the buying process. I could only imagine if you were a first-time buyer, uh, how confusing this would be had it not been explained. It's confusing even the people in the industry. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, we do this every day. I was curious if, you, if, with the sort of the advent of all these reality programs, particularly the flip ones, so what, there's one actually called that. It's something like uh, flip or stay or something like that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you find that there's been an uptick in people thinking I'm going to just start flipping homes for a living? Oh yeah. You know, I've been around the home flipping business off and on for 20 years. I have, as I mentioned, I have a, an associate that has been doing it for 20 years. I have another associate who has one of the biggest. Uh, foreclosure businesses in the area and buying and selling and, and doing that. Um, it's a lot more work. You know, people do come to me and think, I want to buy and flip and sell homes, man. Once they realize that it's almost a full-time job, they sober up. Yeah. But there is interest and in, it, it's a get, people think it's get rich quick. Not only is it a full-time job, it's very risky. Mm. Yeah. It's sort of like what you're talking about with the mortgages themselves, the, 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 the rates. Y- y- you're not going to get anything free. Nothing really should come easy like that. It just, I mean, yeah, every once in a while, everybody That's gets right. lucky. That's you know, right. maybe you pick a right stock at the right time or something mm-hmm. like that. But the odds are, like you say, you're going to be working hard. Yep. And, and there is risk involved. And that's why I like, I like the straight shooting that you do with your clients. I do my best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, how are we doing on time there? Two minutes? I'll tell you what. What I'm going to ask you a couple of real specific questions right now, Eric, about what I just covered with the no-cost loans. Did, is there anything you wrote down that confuses you, anything you want to cover before we go into the break? And then we're going to come back and talk about a couple more myths. Anything about that? Well, on, when you talk about how uh, they're, they're, in a sense, positioning this no-cost loan, what happens to that money then? Are they then paying those appraisers, their paying Inspectors, what uh, let's the just, closing let's, yeah, costs in a sense? Let's just take a let's just pretend with all the fees involved in a loan. Let's just pretend the costs are five grand, eight hundred for an appraisal, right. eight hundred for a title, sixty bucks for a credit report, blah blah blah. Right? Okay. So if you want to make it no cost, you just pick that rate on that rate range I mentioned that has enough money to six grand to pay for it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, and then that money gets paid back to those people, and you feel like you're getting something for free. The money, the lender disperses the money through escrow at closing, 
and escrow then individualizes it and makes separate payments from that bulk of money. So let's just $6,000, here's 800 for you, here's 60 bucks for you, here's 3000 for you. That's right. Now, you said earlier in the show that uh, these myths and, and answers and busting, if you will, will eventually be on your website, right? Yeah, I have all of this written already because I used to do a presentation. I called it the home, you know, the, how to shop for home loan. Then I individualized it, but it's not really. It was it was with me doing a lot of talking. I'm trying to. I want to put in more of a PowerPoint sort of thing so a person could follow it without having me to be there. That's that's what sure. I'm working on. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I know that because well, starting with this show, uh, because you're going to be doing podcasting with us, anyone that goes to our archive page down the road can actually listen to to all your past programs. Listen at their leisure sort of the way of the world these days. Um, but what I like about that is, again, you may not in this at this time be in the market for a transaction involving a home, but I bet you know somebody, maybe, you know, maybe it's a relative, maybe it's someone at work or a friend, um, then turn them on to the podcasting on 1150kknw.com. I need to have you on every one of my shows promoting me like this. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I just want to give them all the tools because, like you say, this is confusing stuff. Hey, thanks for listening to Home Talk with Greg McKim, that show that covers home ownership from soup to nuts. We'll be right back after these messages. Sarcoma. Odds are you've never heard that word before. But for the 40 people diagnosed with sarcoma every day, it is a life-changing word. Life-changing and devastating because sarcoma is cancer. Sarcoma is a cancer of bone and soft tissue more prevalent in children than in adults. More than 6,000 people lose their lives to sarcoma each year. Treatment options for sarcoma are limited, and new therapies are desperately needed. More research and increased awareness is necessary to find a cure for a cancer that you probably didn't even know existed until now. Through awareness, advocacy, and research, the Sarcoma Foundation of America is determined to help those affected by this forgotten cancer, to bring hope to the children and adults whose lives are forever changed by a word they had never heard before. Please help us in the fight to find the cure for sarcoma. For more information on sarcoma and the work of the Sarcoma Foundation of America, please go to curesarcoma.org. Every winter, up to 20 million tons of salt are applied to U.S. roads. Road salt can keep drivers safe. But when too much salt is applied on roads, it can pollute streams, kill fish, and increase salt levels in our drinking water. The good news is we can protect water quality and keep drivers safe. You can help. Join the Isaac Walton League's Winter Salt Watch to receive a free stream test kit. Then, simply dip the test strip in your stream to measure the salt level. Use your smartphone to share your results on the Winter Salt Watch map. If the salt levels in your stream are too high, the Isaac Walton League can share ways other communities are reducing salt usage. Ask for your free test kit today. To get yours, go to saltwatch.org. That's saltwatch.org. Want to hear something different from talk radio? Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Home Talk with Greg McKim, the show that covers home ownership from soup to nuts. 
We air each Tuesday from 3 to 4 p.m. right here on 1150 AM KKNW. During the show, you can call in at 425-373-5527. Again, 425-373-5527. Or you can reach me, your host, Greg McKim, off air at 206-250-6545. Or email gmckim, that's gmckim, at LoneZilla.com. So welcome back. We just finished a segment busting what I call the no-cost home loan myth, and we're going to move on to another myth, which is the annual percentage rate. If you've ever shopped for a home loan, done any research, talked to a network professional, you'll hear the term annual percentage rate, or APR, and that, that is the best tool to use for shopping for rates and fees. I'm, no, it's not. It's terrible. So let me prove that one to you. Talk a little bit about the purpose of the APR. The APR was formulated by the Federal Reserve Board to help consumers shop and compare loans using one number, which is the APR. It's a very noble cause or noble endeavor. It was also designed to show the true cost of a loan over the entire term. There are several problems with the APR, five in my opinion. Number one, it does not accurately show the true cost of a home loan over the entire term because of a mathematical flaw in the formula. Number two, it does not accurately help you compare rates and fees for several reasons we'll discuss in a minute. Another problem with it is that no one in the mortgage industry that I know of, and I know a lot of people, ever use it to evaluate the cost of a loan because we know it doesn't work. So if mortgage professionals don't use it, why would you? In my opinion, <laughs> it's so misleading and ineffective that if it weren't required by law and somebody came up with it, it would probably be illegal. Ooh, that sounds pretty <laughs> brutal, but that's how I feel about it. So to, to recap, the APR is misleading, not, per, not precise, it's not fair, and it doesn't work. Now, this is going to be a hard one, Eric, because this takes, this takes a diagram, or actually I should say a, a, a visual piece that I put together years ago, an interactive Excel worksheet to show people why it doesn't work. But I think I can sum it up here. Okay. Okay. First of all, the number one challenge is that, well, let's not prioritize. Let's, talk, let's, let's get rid of the simplest one. Okay, one challenge, it's supposed to show you the true cost of a loan over 30 years. Let's pick a loan. Let's pick a 30-year mortgage. Okay. Let's, let's say $100,000. Yeah. How many people do you think keep a 30-year mortgage over 30 years? I would think it's probably pretty low. Yeah, I don't have any clue, but I'd guess 5%. Okay. I don't know. I'm just throwing that. I, I'd, be, I'd be shocked if it was higher than 10%. Most people... Refinance, move, buy, sell within 7 to 10 years. People don't keep loans 30 years, period. The APR is designed to take the cost, the upfront cost of a loan. Let's just say the upfront cost of a loan is $5,000. And calculate that as part of the interest over the loan term, say 30 years. Well, if you're not going to keep a loan 30 years, that's a mathematical flaw. And here's why. Because that cost, you don't actually ever incur it. Right. So if you're going to keep a loan seven years, how does projecting the cost over 30 years help you calculate the true cost of loan? It doesn't. 
By the way, I've written some really complicated spreadsheets to show people different ways to, 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 to calculate the true cost of a loan over terms based on all kinds of factors, the time value of money, tax brackets, um, interest rates, you name it. But it's the 30-year part of it is, is silly. Now, that's not the biggest problem, really. Nobody really cares about the true cost of a loan over 30 years anyway. What people look at when they're buying a house is they want to live in a house, they want to know what their payment's going to be. That's just how people are, human nature, right? But when we're shopping for home loans, we are very conscious at that point of what are, what are the rates and fees out there? Who's offering what? Mm-hmm. And the APR was designed to take something that's fairly complicated, all these different types of rates, all these fees, and turn it into a formula where you can have one number make accurate comparisons. That's where it really breaks down, and it's unfortunate. It doesn't work. Let me give you an example. Okay, you have two lenders, lender A and lender B. The APR for lender A is 6.625, and lender B is 6.274. Now, Eric, which one sounds like a better deal, 6.6 or 6.2? Yeah, 6.2, of course. Mm -hmm. I can prove to you that lender B costs more money than lender A. (laughs) Okay. Why? Because the lender B APR was based on a lower interest rate to start with. Anytime you start with a lower interest rate, because of that 30-year amortization, that rate will look lower even if that lender's fees are higher than what the other lender would have offered you for the same lower rate. Okay, okay. Did I lose you on that one, or did that make some sense? I'm going to redo it one more time, okay? Yeah, yeah, please repeat that. Okay. APR for, I'm going to round things. Lender A is 6.6, lender B is 6.3. Wow, lender B is better because their APR is lower. The problem is, is that lender A quoted their APR based on a interest rate, the actual rate you pay on the loan of 6.625. Lender B quoted their APR on an interest rate of 6.0. Those are two different rates. The APR is automatically lower just because it was quoted on a lower rate because of the fact that it's got that 30-year amortization we talked about. Over time, you end up paying less money on a lower rate. The APR, right. the APR is skewed to take that into account. It isn't an accurate reflection of which lender is the most competitive. Now, there's a way to solve that problem, by the way. Never compare APRs unless the interest rate itself is exactly the same. So this is the challenge that consumers have, though. See, lenders are really good at marketing. They know that consumers think of two things. How much is it going to cost me up front, and what's my interest rate? So they market either no-cost loans, that sounds good, or low APRs. Those are the, if you look around, that's what you'll hear, either really low APRs or no-cost loans. So if somebody's APR is lower because their rate's lower than the rate you were being quoted someplace else, that's not an even playing field. So solve that problem. Here's how we solve it. Ready? Never compare APRs unless it's on the same rate. So have both lenders quote you an APR based on their rate of five. By the way, the lenders all have the same rates because they get them from the same sources, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. So everybody has five. Everybody has three and three quarters. Everybody has five and a half. Let's just use five for a round number. Okay, what's your APR today on a rate of five? What's your APR today on a rate of five? That's the only way you can use the APR with some sense for, for some purpose. However, even that's problematic. Got it. Even that's problematic. So even if you were to say, give me your APR for a rate of 5, give me your APR for a rate of 5, and one lender's rate 
APR, excuse me, was 6.625. Let's back up. I'm, I'm losing my track here. One person's APR was 5.125. The other person's APR was 5.1. Okay? As a consumer, what do you do with that? What does it mean? Okay, right. the rate's the same. My payment's the same. The cost is slightly different. But the cost... In our minds, consumers, as human beings, who we think in dollars and cents, we go to we go to the store and buy a loaf of bread. We don't we don't buy a loaf of bread with percentages. We buy it with dollars and cents. The APR clouds the issue. What I want to know is, what are you going to charge me for a rate of five? Fifteen hundred bucks. What are you going to charge me? Seventeen hundred bucks. Oh, you're two hundred dollars higher. I can't. I can you. I can work with that, but I can't work with point one versus what point one two. Doesn't make any sense to me. So even if the APR is used effectively or appropriately, I should say, where you compare the APR on two rates that are the same, five and five, it's not a precise enough tool for consumers to use to make buying decisions. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Okay, so back to the problem. Okay, problem is, I, don't, I have not met a consumer yet, there's probably one out there, who even understands what I, just, what I said about never compare APRs unless the rate's the same. They just look at APRs because they've been told APR is the way to go. Yep. They didn't yep. know that unless you compare the same rate, the, the lower one's always going to have a lower APR. Well, with rare exceptions, but 99% of the time. So compare the same rate and ask for an APR. But don't even bother. Just say, what are you going to charge me? What are your fees? Because then as a human being, an actual person, you can say, oh, you're $200 more, you're $200 less. You can make a buying decision based on dollars, not on these ethereal percentages that make no difference in your life. Make sense? Yeah. So this is why I call it a myth that the APR is the most accurate, most reliable way to compare rates and fees. It's not. It's misleading. It's inaccurate, and it's a it's it's a disservice to the consumer for it to even exist. I get a little bit up on my soapbox about this, by the way. <laughs> I apologize. Well, you're passionate about it, you know. Well, it, it irritates me because I see people lose a lot of money making bad decisions. Now, I did go out last night to celebrate the New Year, so I was thinking today, I was like, I hope my brain is sharp enough to follow this. So, <laughs> uh, and it was. It was. I'm quite proud of myself here. You but, should uh, be. Yeah, that's a, a big part of it is uh, just the way you explained it. And I, I, I totally bought into it uh, prior to knowing this. I, I bought into it myself. I mean, you know, I always yeah. wondered why there'd be a big asterisk and then, of course, four paragraphs worth of very, very small text as to what the APR is about. But, uh Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, another show. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about exactly how I shop for home loans. Okay. I have specific tools I use. They're very simple, but once you understand it, and I actually I actually have a format where I I give a person the text they can send in the email body to the people they're shopping. An attachment says use these parameters and give me this. If you deviate from me, I'm not working with you. And nice. I, it's it's just right down the line, and it. it, it Here's okay. When you're making a comparison of anything in life, how many variables do you want to have ideally? Uh, well, if you're making a comparison, probably as many as you can. No, as few <laughs> as possible. Because if you have a ton of variables, it's really hard to make a comparison. What you want to do is you want to have everything. You want to have all your parameters set up so you have one variable. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So sure. I've I've designed a way for people to do that when they're hopping, for, uh, hopping, hopping and shopping, shopping for home loans. Okay. You want to narrow it down to one variable. The problem is when people shop for home loans, they get all kinds of quotes that are all over the place, and they're comparing apples to oranges, and pretty soon they just want to pull their hair out and they go streaming out. They go around the street. You know, I don't want to do this anymore. It's painful. 
or they just go to their bank because they know them, and then they don't know if they're getting a good deal or not. But it's overwhelming. So I've again, I've 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 got a little formula, a little uh, uh, a little checklist of this is what you ask for, bam. And I'm offering any listener who wants to. If any listener has quotes and they want help with a quote, send them to me. I'll look at them for you and I'll tell you what to, how to compare them, what I think's fair. I won't try to sell you on using me. Just send them to me and I'll I'll look at them for you. That's great. Yeah, how many consumers do you think um, in in this situation think that they can't even really ask for lower rates or they can't even <laughs> ask this kind of a thing? Well, it is unfortunate, but a lot of people are intimidated by the banking industry. Mm-hmm. They go in, and I understand it. Every time I get a home loan, I'm a little nervous. Like, are they going to approve me? You know, are they going to? Am I am I worthy? <laughs> it's a little nerve wracking, and of course, jargon and all the stuff we're talking about today is really complicated. It doesn't need to be that complicated, by the way. It could be as you if you. I'll show it to you someday. I'm, I'm going to post on the website. But if you can narrow it down to the simple things that I've done over the years that I would do to shop for a home loan, it's pretty straightforward. APRs and things like that have just made it more complicated. Now, that's not to say the mortgage industry isn't complex. I mean, I, if I showed you a rate sheet today, there's like 10, rate, t- 10 pages of rate sheets from a lender with different products. So there's a lot of complexity in it. And you should rely on a, a professional to help you figure all these things out. But at some point, they have to help you make sense of it and simplify it to the point where you as a consumer understand it. Not that you just feel like, I don't, I give up. You should understand what you're doing. It's not like buying a DVD player. You're making one of the biggest financial decisions of your life, and you should take the time and energy and work with someone who communicates to you in a way that you feel you understand. And no questions too dumb. I don't care what somebody asks me. doesn't matter. Answer the question to their satisfaction. If they don't, find somebody who will. You know, we talked a while back, and you'd mentioned to me that you're not in this for one customer. You know, you're not looking for someone to just come to you one time and that's and be done with that. And we pretty much have the same philosophy with 11:50 a.m. is we want we want people who want to do radio shows and be on the air for years, and we want to make sure that they're ready, they're the time is right for them, and all that good stuff. Because we don't want to have to talk to them two two months later and find out that they're not satisfied. Seems like. You're kind of the same way with what you do. The, you know if you do a good job, they're going to keep coming back. I'm in the relationship business because I like relationships. I'm not in a transactional business. I will walk away from any transaction I don't think is going to benefit the consumer or is unethical mm-hmm. because I don't think making a buck is what life's about, period. I like that. I like that. Well, I think we're about done with the first home talk show Thank you very much for listening. A little disappointed I didn't get any callers. Maybe people are watching the Huskies game. That <laughs> makes sense. Or maybe people are just kind of recovering from last night. But, again, thank you so much for listening. This is a show that covers home ownership from A to Z. We air each Tuesday from 3 to 4 right here on 1150 AM KKNW. During the show, you can reach me at 425-373-5527. Off air, you can reach me, Greg McKim, at 206-250-6545 or email me at gmckim at loanzilla.com. Next week, my guest will be Rick Trapus, who is an expert on buying foreclosure homes to flip or keep as rental properties. I've known Rick for 25 years. If you're interested in buying properties as investments, I can't think of anyone more qualified to give you advice. So, please tune in next Tuesday, January 8th at 3 p.m. Thanks again for listening, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year.